Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Frustrating year. You know, we never really got on track and we didn't find the consistency that we've had in other years. And, and so at the end of it, we're left out and, and uh, it feels terrible. Coming to you live from the Elliott Avenue studios, this is the 12th Man Roundtable. Well, Coach Schottenheimer's going to be great. I think he knows football. He's been around the game for a long time. Uh, really excited about uh, what he's going to bring to the table. Brought to you by the Lucky Eagle Casino and Hotel, where you belong. The 12th Man Roundtable with Greg Bell from the Tacoma News Tribune, KJR beat reporter Curtis Crabtree, and former NFL executive and KJR analyst Tony Suffley. On your home for the 12th man in the NFL, Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. All right, and I understand Tony Softley's in a bit of uh, traffic. Wait, coming you got up the you finally end. got the show open to include Tony. I know and he's not here. I, <laughs> what? I mean, he's been he's been pushing for it. We got it done, and uh, and he's not here, so he's on his way. He's coming. Um, hopefully, we'll be get him safe, here. Be safe, Tony. Soon. You're coming. Be yeah, safe. You'll be all right. Uh, but the 12 Man Roundtable, which is brought to you by Lucky Eagle Casino and Hotel in Rochester, Greg Bell, Curtis Crabtree from right here at Sports Radio KJR, and guys. Uh, certainly not a dull day yesterday. Uh, <laughs> did any of you get any, I mean, get any sleep? I don't know what your, what your schedules are like when this stuff comes out, but I mean, I was walking the dog well, when, first, when you the got the news words I got that you might want to check into this, well, into the, Sherman into the situation. Jeremy Lane text. Well, <laughs> I already told you that my eyes rolled when I saw yeah. that. And then my eyes perked up when I saw Cam Chancellor Yeah, uh, and what he had to say on Twitter. Curtis, and then my eyes rolled again when Richard Sherman's mother was on Facebook, and yeah. Curtis, at, at which point did you take the news that Richard Sherman might be on the move to be serious? Was it the Jeremy Lane tweet? Was it when uh, Mama Sherman piped up on Facebook? Uh, what What were you looking at? Uh, no, I took it pretty seriously as soon as I made the connection. I- as soon as I was willing to accept the idea that Jeremy Lane was referring to Richard Sherman with mm-hmm. the 25 in his tweet, because he was pretty unfiltered when his own benching and trade situation came about a year ago. I don't exactly uh, believe Jeremy Lane to be too cryptic when he puts a tweet out like that. I think he was calling it like it was. So, Or his alleged DUI, for that matter. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I, as soon as... If you were willing to make the leap that his tweet was referring to Richard Sherman, then I took it pretty seriously right from the outset. <laughs> A lot of things <laughs> flying around yesterday, a lot of speculation. So let's let's start with the concrete stuff, the news, the actual news, something that has taken place. A trade agreement between the Eagles and the Seahawks to send Michael Bennett in the seventh round pick to Philadelphia, bringing back a fifth rounder and Marcus Johnson. And, uh, you know, Greg, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, I want to talk about the compensation now because we, you know, no matter who you ask, somebody had an opinion on what was going to happen to Michael Bennett uh, this offseason. Now we know what's happened in the compensation coming back. Uh, is it what you would have expected Seattle to get back? Should they have been able to get more? Or were you surprised that they got even this much for Bennett? It's not what you would expect or even want the Seahawks to get back. It tells you that the Seahawks, it infers that the Seahawks were about ready to cut him. 
if they would accept a fifth-round pick and a wide receiver who's an undrafted 2016 free agent who's a special teamer for Philadelphia. What he said, it was 10 games, five catches last mm-hmm. year. So he's a f- wide receiver four, maybe, on this roster. And that tells you that that, in their minds, is better than cutting them and getting nothing other than a salary cap relief of $2.2 million. So they get the salary cap relief of two point two and a player and a draft pick. Now they have four picks in the, in the round five. I, no, if on its face, a three-time Pro Bowler who just had eight and a half sacks while playing through three injuries should garner more than a wide receiver four and a fifth-round draft pick. Uh, there were reports. There were reports yesterday that there was uh, at the eleventh hour, yeah. maybe the Patriots trying to come over the top of the Eagles to to get Michael Bennett, maybe even with a better deal. Everybody kind of took a deep breath, and then. Seattle decided to keep the deal that they had on the table with Philadelphia instead of taking New England's. Have you heard anything more about that? I've heard I've heard some conflicting things. I've heard something that I just can't believe was that New England had a better offer of a third and a fifth and that the Seahawks didn't take that and said they were already too far down the road with the Eagles. Mm-hmm. That's not the way trades work. You just get with the best you can get. You don't have any loyalty to the original bidder. If you get a bid and an offer that's better, you take that. So... For whatever reason, if that's true, New England came in late, then New England's offer wasn't better or else they would have taken New England. So whatever New England offered was not better in the Seahawks' minds than what Philadelphia was giving up. Curtis, uh, I wanted to talk about this move that Seattle made, and Greg said a minute ago that it sounds like you would have, if they couldn't find a trade partner, it would have just been cut. You know, we've talked all offseason about Michael Bennett and 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 what he means to this team production-wise versus maybe some of the things that the Seahawks might not like about him in terms of his locker room presence and things like that. Uh, this is a, you know, this is a deal that he was cut. He didn't play a down on this deal. They saved two point two million on the cap. There's a lot of dead money. He just signed this deal, you know, fifteen months ago, and he hadn't even started playing on it yet. So, what do you make of this move being made right now? Well, I, I think it's a few things. One. Think across the league. Typically, when a report comes out saying a team is looking to trade a player, it tends to be a precursor to that player being released. Because once the entire league knows, hey, this guy's on the shopping block, usually there's not a whole lot of clamor for him because they expect, oh, well, he's just going to be a free agent anyway. We'll try to get him then. Right. Um, and so as soon as the the report from, from ESPN and, and Brady came out from the combine saying that Michael Bennett was being shopped around, I anticipated he would ultimately probably be released. So with that in mind, um, you know, you look at the fact that they do save $2.2 million in that. Um, you, there was obviously some interest from a few teams on, on Bennett, so that's probably why you did get what you did for him. But no, I wasn't expecting anything incredibly significant for him. Really you don't see all that much in trades, period, in the NFL. I mean, what, think back a decade ago when Randy Moss went to the Patriots for, what was it, a fourth-round pick at the time? Mm-hmm. In trade, it's tough for players to get a lot of elite compensation uh, for them. It, now, that's not you know exclusively. It does happen, depending on the situation you're talking about. A quarterback obviously is going to garner some pretty significant draft capital from time to time, and you know, there's other situations that play out, but in this particular situation, no, I wasn't particularly surprised that they went that way. I think I think what it comes down to more so than anything is I think they want it to be Bobby Wagner's defense going forward. They want him to be the dominant voice of that defense, 
And in some ways, you've got to move on from the dominant voices of the past era in order to allow Bobby Wagner to be the dominant voice of the next one. And I think that's part of the issue at play here with him, uh, with the the moves that they're making, planning to make, all all the above, and and how they're going to move forward into the future. If Michael Bennett was still 28 years old, he would be on the team. He's 32. He's going to cost them. Even if it's $2 million, that's one-sixth of their current available cap space. That's one-third of their available cap space after you take out the rookie pool of draft pick signings you're going to have to make in April. That's really the bottom line to them. And what he's done in the past three years and his activism and his voice in the locker room really does take a second seat to the fact that he's 32 and is costing them $2.2 million and they can get out of that and getting something in return. The, what we haven't talked about yet at all this morning, Matt, is that what it creates the, on the defensive line for Seattle. A huge void in pass rushers. There is one proven pass rusher that is guaranteed to play for Seattle in 2018 right now. That's Frank Clark, and that's the last year of his contract. Well, if you assume that Cliff Averill is gone, whether retired, injury, whatever the case may be, they only have four defensive linemen officially fully under contract right now for next year, and that would be Frank Clark's Jaron Reed. Nazair Jones and Brendan Jackson. And uh, he's an exclusive rights free agent, right. so not technically Malik but, McDowell. But Malik McDowell is the fourth. Who's yeah. even less technically so, on the team. Now, that being said, Brandon Jackson, Quentin Jefferson, Garrison Smith are exclusive rights free agents that are essentially tied to the team anyway. But looking at my notes, Deion Jordan is a restricted <laughs> free agent who, because of his circumstance, will almost certainly be back as well. Mm-hmm. But. Like in a pure technical standpoint, those are the four guys that you have under contract, right. and one of them is still questionable whether he's even going to be able to play in Malik McDowell. So, um, yeah, they need defensive line help, a lot of it. Well, before before we get to that, and we will, we're going to end this is the twelfth man roundtable uh, presented by Lucky Eagle Casino, and, and we're breaking down what this Bennett trade means and what could be coming up for you know with the Seahawks with Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas. We're going to get to all that before before I go there because of what you all just said. I mean, it's. I would think it'd be very easy for a Seahawks fan to say, "Look, they knew how old Michael Bennett was a year ago when they signed him to a contract. Mm-hmm. They knew they weren't going to get very much for him, if anything, uh, in offering him up for a trade. There is all the dead money on the contract. Uh, there is the fact that he had eight and a half sacks last year with a torn plantar fascia and a knee injury and a toe injury. So, with all those factors, why even do this? Why now?" Well, you didn't anticipate that Cliff Averill was going to have a potentially career-ending injury. You didn't anticipate Cam Chancellor was going to have a potentially career-ending injury. The whole scope of what they had happened to him changed. It's not the same scenario it was in 2000, December 2016 when they signed Michael Bennett. Those guys were all healthy. They anticipated having that group together for a significantly longer period of time. They didn't anticipate Malik McDowell getting in an ATV accident after they drafted him and not having him available to where they have to make a trade for Sheldon. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Richardson before the start of the season. The circumstances have changed around what they're doing. So, if you did have... Cam Chancellor healthy and being able to come back and play, 
you could potentially just continue to go forward. They don't. More than likely, they don't. It's not completely ruled out on Chancellor's front, don't get me wrong, but it's unlikely. Mm -hmm. And so you have to then turn the script forward and say, okay, how do we move forward with this? It, the conversation has changed. It's not December 2016. It's, April, it's uh, March 2018, and you have to figure out where you go now with the circumstances you have at your at your fingertips now. It's a different conversation. This city has to come to the realization this morning that this team is undeniably in transition. It's right in the middle of it. It's ha It started with the coaching staff, and now it's gone under the players, and now we're in the part of the offseason that the players will get overhauled. That is why we're talking about Richard Sherman possibly leaving and Earl Thomas being in the last year of his contract possibly leaving and Cam Chancellor may not come back and Cliff Averill may never play again and Michael Bennett is now a Philadelphia Eagle. The time has changed, and to what Curtis has said, it's not 2016 anymore. It's not certainly not 2013 and 14 anymore. They have completely overhauled, and this is the last chance for Pete Carroll to do it his way. He's got two years left on his contract. John Schneider has two years left on his contract. The main – Schneider said it last week at the Combine when we were talking to him there. The most important people in the building are the head coach and the – quarterback and the quarterback has two years left on his contract this year and next are the Seahawks last chances to get this right and they have to in their minds reverse now the trend they got on last year and really the year before that not making the playoffs for the first time in six years we are at a crossroads of we're not going to do it next year in the last year of everybody's deals we got to do it now and fix it now and try to turn it around before 2019 and that's what they're doing they are changing and it's going to take some tough decisions they're not done yet and all signs are Richard Sherman may be the next. Well, you also saw it with the coaching staff, too, the changes yeah. over there. like In general, I think it's just a pure desire to want to hit the reset button a little bit and, and shuffle the deck and figure out where to, to build it back up from again. I think that's all part of it. This team, while the record was 9-7, and seven, a lot of people look at the results of last year and they say this team was on the very edge of being 11-5, and five, possibly even 12-4, and four, uh, had a couple of kicks gone differently mm -hmm. if the Seahawks are 11 and 5 they make the playoffs let's say they even win a first round game losing the divisional round are these changes still taking place the coaching staff Michael Bennett moving on possibly moving on from Richard Sherman are is that youth movement or this transition whatever you want to call it Still something that the, the front office is looking at now is the time we have to do this, in your opinion? I think the offensive coordinator would have changed. I'm not sure the defensive coordinator would have. I think the offense had to get back to running, and Brian Schottenheimer's here to do that. I think Tom Cable may have gone too because they need better offensive line evaluation and play. But I don't know about the players. Maybe not. And that may have, ultimately, that may prove that it would have been very detrimental to the overall progress of the team going forward had they just gone in one playoff game, lost in the division round for the third year in a row, and then everyone stays together trying to make one more run yet again. It's becoming obvious now that's not the answer for 2018 and 19. So would 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 a playoff berth and a first, second round exit have helped this team? No. It would have set them back and perhaps keeping Bennett and Sherman and then everything's trying to say, keep the band together for one last run because we're close again. No, it, that may not be that they can't do that forever. And they decided forever is ending now. And a, another playoff berth in the division round appearance may have made them believe that eh, we'll keep the same group together for one more run. Now, they do also think ahead here that unlike us, who we think about right now and what's going to happen next season, 
They have a two, three, four-year plan for finances, for salary caps. They understand what's coming. They know Russell Wilson's they have going to have to pay him to keep him. So the, none of this is in a vacuum to them. And in that regard, maybe all this would have happened no matter how far they went in last season. What was it, Bill, Pars- Bill Parcells that said, you are what your record says you are? Mm-hmm. The Seahawks were a team that did not make the playoffs. They didn't make the kicks. They didn't run the football. They didn't do any number of things that would have gotten them to that point. They are exactly where they deserve to be last year. And even if they had made those kicks and backdoored in the playoffs, what are, that doesn't change the fact that they had real problems on offense and that the defense had you know, slipped a step from where they had been for a variety of reasons. It doesn't change the fact that Cliff Averill and Cam Chancellor are in limbo because of their injury situations. I don't think it would have changed things too too terribly. Maybe not every decision that we've seen happen would have been made if that had uh, continued to occur, but yeah, I still think you were probably headed for a little bit of a shuffling of the deck. If the, um, if the Cleveland Browns had not won, have not won just one game the last two years, they wouldn't be the Cleveland Browns. So, I mean, if in the NFL, sure, right. if he makes more kicks, then they perhaps make the playoffs, but they didn't, like Curtis said. Right. I was just asking if the if the fact that they finished 9-7, and seven, for whatever reason, was just maybe an awakening more than anything, and if they're 11-5, and five, Curtis, maybe that they don't have that realization that it was time for the change right now. Right, well, but that, would they have been better than the L.A. Rams, even if they finished 11-5? and five? Would they be better coming up this year in 2019 than the Rams? Would if, they be as young and as up, up and coming with as good as an offense? The bottom line is, if, if them backdooring into the playoffs with the problems that they had on offense or complete, utter inability to run the football all of last season in any fashion whatsoever, if that had forced them to glaze over that situation more so and seem like, no, we're still okay because you know we made the playoffs and did X, Y, or Z, that's probably more detrimental in the long term than what happened for them. Well, with Michael Bennett on the move, that certainly leaves a hole on the defensive line. And we talk a lot about the New England Patriots and them their propensity for, for getting rid of players a year too early instead of a year too late. But that model relies a lot on having the next guy to step up into that role and really take over. Do the Seahawks have the player to step up into that role? And if not, how are they going to get that player? That's what we're going to talk about next on the 12th the 12th man roundtable here on Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to our Elliott Avenue studios for the 12th Man Roundtable, powered by the Lucky Eagle Casino and Hotel, where you belong, on Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. Back here in the Carter Volkswagen studio with the 12th Man Roundtable, presented by Lucky Eagle Casino, and the third member of the roundtable, Tony Softly, uh, has joined us here. Mic up, mic up, mic up. All right, there we go. We got him up now. You fought through the traffic. Oh yeah, you know I'm gonna do Kendrick that. Kendrick Lamar yeah. now. Yeah, it's been a it's been a good morning day. Oh, I heard you guys. You guys are rolling. <laughs> <laughs> we got the Drake, we got the Kendrick, we got everything going. We got everything going. Seahawks uh, are a team obviously in transition. Michael Bennett gone. Richard Sherman could be next. Yesterday, Brian Cushing visits the Seahawks. Now we get reports that Jonathan Stewart is going to be in visiting the Seahawks today. Tony, uh, you've been around teams, front offices, when they're in transition. Mm-hmm. Is this is this just kind of par for the course? Is it uh, how you see it happen, just all at once? And- yeah, it's just the norm. And uh, you, you see the the departing of some lovable veterans. Some guys love them. Some guys or fans love them. Some guys didn't love them or fans, I should say. I, I'm mixing that up because there's 
probably guys in that locker room that were happy to see him go just because of uh, some headbutting issues that were going on in that locker room. And then from a fan standpoint, it was mixed because of the, the sitting during the anthem, but he was a hell of a football player. So for me, when I look at the football player, um, hell, of a, hell of a talent. Just beat up the last couple of years. I don't think he played anywhere close to who he was last year. Uh, I heard Greg and Curtis talk about how many reps this guy's played over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, so uh, they actually pretty much gave him away. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, because when you get a fifth for a guy and, and a, a no name wide receiver, no name player, that's like giving a Pro Bowler away. He had 8.5 sacks last year, or eight and a half sacks. Um, I mean, you guys tell me. I, I just uh, I thought that they could have got more for him. And then here comes. Is it true, Greg and Curtis said New England? Came in with a third and a fifth, or that's what's being reported. Right, right? I, I haven't confirmed that that's true. So, I don't know if that – you would what, think that that's not true, that they would have taken that over, especially the dearth of draft picks they have. Well, what I've seen is that. it may have been Michael Bennett and the Seahawks fifth for a third. Okay. Okay. So, there you go. so you get a three back. That, that would make more sense. Yes. And that's what I was saying with Softy last week or earlier in the week is that he's probably worth a three when he's healthy. And uh, Greg hit about – if he gets sixty-five uh, percent of the reps, you know, what I mean, that's that's much better. Sixty-five reps a game, yeah. or even less than that, that's when he's dynamic. That's when you can get after it. You can use him across the board. We all know where he lines up in place. Philadelphia, Howie Roseman, they have just loaded up, mm-hmm. and, and they continue to do that. And and my hats off to him because you, generally, after you go to a Super Bowl or you win a Super Bowl, you really deplete your team. Uh, they actually have uh, guys that were hurt and weren't even be able to. Uh, contribute in that Super Bowl that are coming back, and then they had uh, Michael Bennett, and they're not done yet. So good for uh, Philadelphia. Well, speaking of depleted, now the Seahawks' defensive line is is pretty much depleted. There's a lot of question marks, a ton of question marks there. I mean, the only guys, you have five guys really under contract right now, and you expect Cliff Averill to be gone one way or the other, either cut or retired, so that's down to four. Malik McDowell may never play football again or may never play football at all at the professional level. So now you're down to Jaron Reed, Frank Clark, uh, and Nas Jones, who are your three under contract. And then there are all kinds of free agents. Sheldon Richardson's an unrestricted free agent. Marcus Smith is a free agent. Deion Jordan and Quentin Jefferson are restricted. And then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Brennan Jackson and Christian French are exclusive rights free agents. So where where do you go from here if you're trying to you know, even field a defensive line? Enough guys. I mean, there's the draft. I guess there's free agency. Is that where, That's where they're forced to look now. The right? first thing you do is go continue to try to re-sign Sheldon Richardson. And you've got... Six, six days now until free agency starts. Mm-hmm. They've been ongoing doing that. They did it in. They were talking to his agents in Indianapolis when we were there last week. They now have two point two million dollars more to do that than they did yesterday, uh, or when the trade becomes official, they will. So that's the very immediate. But there's no doubt they're going to have to draft somewhere and somewhere highly enough that he can make an impact soon. Because of those players you just mentioned, Frank Clark's the only one who's done anything in the NFL on a consistent basis, and he's entering the last year of his contract. 
Nas Jones showed a lot as in his rookie year, but he was also injured a little bit. He's yet to prove it over an entire season. You're going to, at this point, have to invest next year in Frank Clark to keep him beyond this season. And then what? And and this is Frank, Pete Carroll. Uh, everyone talks about Legion of Boom and secondary. The thing he loves to do most on defense is stockpile pass rushers. And when the Seahawks went to the Super Bowls back-to-back, it's because they had a defensive line that just swarmed people. And Michael Bennett could play 60% or fewer of the snaps because they had depth of Chris Clemens and Red Bryant and Cliff Averill. That's all gone. There's yep. none of those guys that I just mentioned that are even remotely near Seattle anymore. Mm. They've got to completely retool and in a hurry if they want to play defense the way Pete Carroll wants to. Ultimately, Frank Clark isn't under contract for 2019. Deion Jordan, even if he signs a restricted tender, is not under contract for 2019. Averill's probably gone. Michael Bennett is gone. They need every, every avenue you can potentially add some help at defensive end they're going to need to explore. Sheldon Richardson is absolutely still in the conversation to be back a part of the team. That's going to come down to what number you can get him at more so than anything else. Um, where that At this point, I don't know why Sheldon Richardson would sign a deal without waiting until free agency. Mm-hmm. Like you're six days away, just get there and figure out where your value is. Mm-hmm. Um, so he'll figure out what his market is, and then go you go from there and figure out where you can get him back at. But they need to add pass rushing help through the draft, probably add some – some value free agents somewhere along the line. I mean, that's how you got Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett in the first place. Both of those guys were under market signings in a down pass rush market, and you were able to take advantage of some guys on the rise and and, and find some real nice pieces for you. They're probably going to have to go to that route again to go try to find find some pass rush help. They'll probably explore trade avenues like they did when they got Chris Clemens the first time around. You know, try to find some draft pick swap or a player swap to go get a guy that can potentially be a – every avenue is going to have to be explored here to add to the pass rush situation because right now you're starting – you have one defensive end who's probably a starter. Your other one's not even under contract, but it would be Deion Jordan. There's a unique situation with his contract that probably makes him going to be back. And he's – even that being said, as good as Deion Jordan was in short spurt last year, he was hurt again and is still one misstep away off the field from being suspended indefinitely again. So – <laughs> they need defensive ends, big time. Deion Jordan's played five games in three years. Yeah, yeah, and he's been dinged up. They they screwed him up down there in Miami. But what these guys are talking about is undervalued free agents. That you try to get some of those guys in here that have uh, that have shown that they have some production, uh, but they weren't full time players or or a hundred percent on the rosters. Uh, you know, on on game day uh, consistently. Uh, once you once you've kind of exhausted that area of free agency. Now your focus is on the draft, and, and I think that uh, they've got a hit on some guys. It's unfortunate they gave away the two last year for Sheldon Richardson's deal. Uh, you know, do they sit and pick? You really like that deal. You bring it up almost. I do every because time. because a lot of guys would have been fired behind that. That just <laughs> it doesn't make any before. sense. You've yeah. said that. Before. It doesn't make any sense to give away your future like that. And I heard you guys talking about when I was coming in. Do you give away a, a 2019 pick for this year? No, you don't give away the future. And I think Greg said you, you're putting a finger in the dike, and you know you you said Rob and Peter to pay Paul. You don't you don't do that. So where are you at now? So I think at 18 they trade back to 25 mm-hmm. and get another pick mm-hmm. and stay in the first round and still get a really good player. I don't think you're going to be able to get two and three, but I think you'll be able to get one of those picks yeah. and and at least have some value in the draft early. Curtis, did the Seahawks make a mistake now if, if they knew this was their plan? And they knew they were going to get rid of Michael Bennett. He wasn't going to be on their defensive line. Did they make a mistake 
I'm not going to talk about the franchise tag and that number, but maybe not applying a, a transition tag to Sheldon Richardson to give them right of first refusal to match a contract. Uh, the number is $11.4 million for a transition tag for a defensive tackle. I don't think so. No, because unless you're a top-tier pass-rushing interior defensive tackle, I don't think you set aside that sort of money for a defensive tackle. Um, I think Sheldon Richardson is a very nice player, a very solid, above-average NFL player. But is the delta between what he gave you a year ago compared to what Tony McDaniel and some of the other interior defensive tackles had over the years for them, is it really all that significant? I question that it's a significant delta. I think he's a good player. He only had, He's had two and a half sacks in total over his last two seasons with New York and, and in Seattle. So he's not the true pass rush sort of piece, at least not in the way that they used him a year ago. Right. I don't think I would have earmarked $11 million for him. No, because that, in, in addition, that sets the market value of what the negotiations start at. So no, I don't think I would do that. I would let the market determine where he's at, and then you determine if you can get him back with a contract offer. I don't think I would have earmarked it like that. Greg, if, if they're with their salary cap constraints, is that would that have just been too big a burden to bear salary cap wise, or is that something they should have considered? What would have been a the the transition tag for Sheldon Richardson? Well, I lived through the transition tag with Steve Hutchinson. Yeah, well, we all twelve lived years that. ago. The problem with the transition tag is it's not that much less expensive. It's top ten in salaries yeah. rather than top five, yeah. and no compensation if right. the guy leaves. Yeah, right. there you go. So the, it makes zero sense, which is why almost no one uses it. Uh, the defensive back from Chicago got it this year. Fuller. With Fuller, which tells you that the Bears are okay with Fuller leaving if he gets a better price somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a layaway. Right. It's really what you're doing. is You're putting a player on layaway, but if someone else comes in and has more money and takes it off the shelf, he's gone, and you get nothing in return. In Sheldon Richardson's case, and in a case of a team that's missing a second and third round pick... You can't do that. You, you're going to lose a top-tier guy that you use your one tag on. You better get something back in return for that. Two first-round picks, as in the case of the non-exclusive franchise tag. Tony, I don't know how in your front offices where they view the tran- transition tag, but I'm guessing it was is like it didn't even exist, right? No, it didn't. We didn't even want to touch that thing right. because at the end, like you said, you could lose a player anyway. I, I think what the, the deal is here is is now they try to sign Sheldon Richardson back. They don't want to take him, but they do want him back, and they want him back for one reason, the versatility. He can play outside. He can play inside. Right. People forget what he did with the Jets. He could be a Michael Bennett. Yes. He could play inside on passing downs, outside on rundowns. He's even dropped into coverage before as an outside linebacker. Exactly. And and so I I think that's what they're they're aiming to do. If they do that, they solidify it a little bit of of losing what they lost and, and recouping this. Uh, but I, again, I think they need to turn and look at that draft. There's some very good uh, pieces in the draft, some edge rushers, some uh, outside linebackers, uh, that or or guys that can rush the passer. DPRs is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Designated pass rushers. That's what they need uh, to uh, recoup this. You can't have enough. It's like running backs <laughs> or DBs or corners or wide receivers. You can't have enough talent on that edge rushing that passer. Yeah, and my, my comments on Richardson are purely about setting a market for him. I, I think he can absolutely help them, and he does have the versatility to play and in all of that. It's just a matter of where's the right number for him. Yes. What, you know, if if they can get a comparable player for $5.5 or you know, or, or that's a step down as opposed to paying Sheldon 
twelve million a year, then I'd go that route. You know, it, it, I don't know yeah. what the the market's going to play out as, but it's a value equation all the way through, and you got to figure out how it fits. But of course, the Seahawks want to do that now before March fourteenth. Yes. Oh, absolutely! The market opens March fourteenth. Here goes the price. Well, let it, the party begin. But Tony's point is excellent about Sheldon Richardson's versatility. We forget in Seattle because he was only a three-technique defensive tackle last year. That's all they asked him to do. Why? Because they had Cliff Averill, Frank Clark, and Michael Bennett to play defensive end. They don't have them anymore. They only maybe have Frank Clark. Mm-hmm. So now you need maybe Sheldon Richardson to go be that athlete he was before. This guy played four sports in high school in Missouri. You think he was All-State in three of them. Track and baseball in the same season, mm-hmm. basketball and football. We and he saw was it. a running back. He was a running back, and we <laughs> saw it in, the, in Los Angeles when he intercepted that pass. The tip oh, yeah. Pass. He was running. He, doesn't, he wasn't running like a defensive <laughs> no. tackle. He looked like a fullback. He right was. Out there, man. He, it's, it, it really hadn't dawned on me until Tony just said it. It's time to tap into his – got to sign him first. Right. But it's time to tap into his versatility, and all of a sudden he becomes that much more valuable with Michael Bennett not here – that maybe his and now that they have two point two million more to spend, maybe his value got just went up, and well, maybe they can pay him a little and, and more. And maybe cheap. it is. That being said, they haven't used him that way, yeah. right? And so you're still making a projection with the contract offer you'd be giving mm-hmm. him, which could could get you in trouble if he's not able to make the jump. Right, but it's not like he's never done it before. Correct. They have NFL game tape that shows yeah, he no, can do that. That's so, not a projection because you can see it on film. They've already graded him. That's why they wanted him. Right. But it's like you guys said, it, they've had enough players in the past that. They only use him in this spot, and I thought he did a good job uh, of keeping uh, blockers off Wagner. Right, and, and that that goes un. I mean, there is no, you know, it's not a tackle, it's not a sack, it's not. You don't. There's no projection yeah, there's or no, no statistic. You know, right. except exactly. to show up in the newspaper no. the next morning. And, and so he did the dirty work. Let yeah. me just put you that way. Right. Uh, and, and so now with Michael gone, um, you know, maybe they get to. Uh, spread him around a little bit, which I think could give them a little bit of uh, juice off that end. And Pete Carroll has certainly been pliable with how he's mixed his defensive line together to take advantage of the guys that he has. Red Bryant playing a five-tech end, for instance, and then all of a sudden it's Michael Bennett who's a completely different skill set in the way that they mix it. So they can probably find a role to take advantage of Sheldon Richardson no matter how they want to use him. It's a matter of getting him back under contract for the right price, and the price is going to be all everything with this. Well, and that's... That's the whole thing. You know, re-signing Shelly Richardson on the open market is going to cost some money along with these other guys. But Paul Richardson is going to cost some money if you want to re-sign him. A lot of the free agents that the Seahawks have, where's that money coming from? We're talking about Richard Sherman. You can free up $11 million there. Earl Thomas, you can free up $8.5 million there. Yeah, but what him. team do you have left? <laughs> well, and that's the point. We're going we're gonna to talk about what's the time next. Time for a bake sale, man. It's right? time to raise it's funds. Well, what's the next step, and how long is it going to affect the Seahawks? We'll talk about that next on the 12th Man Roundtable. Sports Radio 950 KJR. Now back to our Elliott Avenue studios for the 12th Man Roundtable, powered by the Lucky Eagle Casino and Hotel, where you belong, on Seattle Sports Radio 950, KJR. Last segment of the 12th Man Roundtable, presented by Lucky Eagle Casino. Jason locking four at the top of the hour to give us the national perspective on what's going on here in Seattle, how it relates to the rest of the NFL, and exactly what value the, Se- the Seahawks got in the Michael Bennett deal and whether or not that's on par with what they should have gotten. Uh, but 
here on the 12 man round table um you know <laughs> i haven't seen any any facebook posts from family members no cousins <laughs> not in the last or, hour uh, yeah no no clowns <laughs> that did uh, these players birthday parties or anything posting <laughs> on facebook today but uh so so far no news other than jonathan stewart visiting the seahawks but yesterday uh the rumors were flying around all day long richard sherman uh, the latest was, uh, as of last night, he's expected to be either traded or cut. I don't think any of us really sees much value that anybody's going to give up for him in a trade. So, you know, Tony, I'm going to go to you. Um, you know, you're a front office guy and, and you've got a guy in Richard Sherman that's been at the top of, of his profession in this league. And, and now he's, he's getting up there in years. He's had the Achilles, uh, that he had surgery on. This is a team that can save $11 million by cutting him. How do you see this thing playing out? Yeah, I, I think, um, first of all, there's no GM, I don't think, that would trade for a 30-year-old corner with uh, Keeley surgery. That's just, you got to know that he's healthy. Secondly, the Seattle Seahawks, to release him, in order to release him, there's got to be an injury settlement. The NFLPA is not going to let you cut a player injured. That's just It just doesn't happen, and it's in the CBA. So I think what's going on now, and we talked about the break, Greg and I and Curtis, is that, and you, is that, I think they're trying to figure out an injury settlement in this situation. Um, do they just flat out cut him? That could be a possibility. Uh, does he take a pay cut to come back and play? I really don't see that. It would I seem out of character a, a little bit. Not out of character. <laughs> you know, I think that last year where they they were trying to trade him or something was going on. You guys tell me, and, and it was in the news, out of the news, mm -hmm. and um, there was something going on behind the scenes. Uh, if they were to try to cut his salary, then. Can you imagine the, the that uh, locker room over there? Oh, sure. Oh, so I just don't – it's either he's with us or he's not with us. And, and I think that's what it's coming down to now. The most likely scenario at this point is that the Seahawks waived injured him. And if you waive injure a player, that's an injury settlement. Mm -hmm. That's code for we gave him money, a portion of what he we would have paid him for 2018. So he's due for $11 million in base salary. It would be less than that. And – as Tony says, the likelihood is that there is they're trying to decide on what that fraction of eleven million is. Mm -hmm. so it's half, is it going five point five, is it seven? Write him a check, wave him injured, he becomes a free agent after he clears waivers, because no one's going to claim him off waivers, because if you claim off waivers, you gotta pay him the eleven million. Yeah. And so they'll wait till he clears waivers and then he becomes a free agent. And Richard Sherman's side of this right now is if that is the scenario playing out, which it seems plausible it is, Sherman he's representing himself again, no agent, is going to other teams and saying, would you be interested in signing me? Here's when I'm going to be back for my Achilles. What would you sign me for? What ballpark price are you talking about for 2018 and possibly 19? Then Sherman gets that potential injury settlement money plus whatever contract money you're going to get from another team, and that becomes his pay. Potentially could be more than he would have been paid only by Seattle this year. Potentially. We're still talking about a three-time All-Pro who's in his 20s. Mm -hmm albeit off of two surgeries. I've been told by league sources uh, that are pretty knowledgeable about what's going on here that the, the the sticking point is whether they want to renegotiate him to even play this year. And for the Seahawks, I'm talking about. Instead of a waived injured, okay, well, what if we keep him but at a less than $11 million salary hit? That's the story that, that – that's the part that the Seahawks and Sherman aren't agreeing on so now the Seahawks have to decide, do we still even want him on the roster this year or do we want to let him go in a waived injured situation? So that's all the moving parts that could take longer than a day or three or four. 
the the weird thing about all of this, if you really are a devotee to social media, is what the heck is him saying goodbye to everybody if that's in fact what he's saying and his right. mom's saying goodbye. And in his mind, he's gone. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's gone. He's done. Which means injury settlement, they're trying to haggle for the money, or the Seahawks are just going to release him outright. And so that's the part of all this that doesn't quite add up yet, and that's what's going to take time to sort out. Well, the bottom line is this. With him carrying the most cap savings of any player on their roster at $11 million, his vulnerability was always going to loom mm-hmm. out there, given the fact that they have some cap issues. That they, I mean, not not that they have cap issues, but they're constricted in what they can do moving forward with the, the amount of space that they have. And much like we talked about with the Michael Bennett situation earlier, once a, a trade possibility kind of gets out there, most of the time that's already happened, and it's kind of like a, an auction set, like a going once, going twice sort of thing. Yeah. And so ultimately if Seattle comes back and says, hey, we need you to take a pay cut to keep you, he'll say no, at which case they'll probably just have to release him. Um, that's typically the way these sort of things go. And if you're another team, like Tony was saying earlier, what are why would you trade anything of substance for a 30-year-old cornerback coming off an Achilles injury and another surgery to his other ankle, not knowing what he can do at this point with one year left on his deal and having no control over him beyond 2008. Like, if you were the GM of the Carolina Panthers or the whoever, why would you make that trade? What value is that for you? Um, just wait, and th- wait until he gets released and then see where you're at. So, ultimately, um, I think that's probably where this thing is headed. When all is said and done, it, now exactly what it has to take and how many hoops you have to go through to get there, we'll have to see. But I think that's probably where it's Tony Softly. You've you've been in these rooms. You've been in front office meetings. You've been in personnel and franchise financing planning meetings. The Rams and the P- Panthers. What would you do would you, with Richard Sherman? Would you keep him, knowing his injury history, knowing he has one year left on his contract? What would you do? You know, it, it it would be tough because this guy's a future Hall of Famer. I mean, in my mind. I mean, this guy's done a lot for this organization. But there there comes a point where you have to let and say goodbye to players. And I think that I would say goodbye to Sherman. Thank you for everything. You know, everything you've done for this organization, the, the young players you've helped bring along. And I would save that $11 million so I could sign some other players to free agency. And then I would immediately turn and look into the draft to see how can I – parlay that 18th pick on down to acquire more talent to infuse this team. So because these guys, and I heard you guys say it earlier, they only have two years on their deal, Pete and John, right? I'm trying to win now. And and I think saying goodbye to Richard, which is going to hurt like it did yesterday to Bennett because I saw social media blow up, um, is going to be tough. But that's the transition. He's moving into 30. He's got an Achilles surgery. He had another surgery to, to remove bone spurs. Uh, is he going to come back and be that same type of guy? And he wasn't overly fast to begin with. So I would say uh, I would be moving on from Richard Sherman. I think they have more roster flexibility to cover a change at cornerback than they do at defensive end right now. Mm-hmm. Other uh, than yeah. the fact but cornerback is the most difficult it's, position yeah, in sports it's to imp- play. It's important, yes. but you've got Shaquille Griffin as a starter. They're probably going to tender Justin Coleman to bring him back as well. Byron Maxwell wants to be back after finishing the season strong. He could be a starter for you moving forward. He's an unrestricted free agent. You'd have to sign him, but still. But you want better than Byron Maxwell. Yeah, you, you do essentially you at some better. point. Yeah. But 
you got DeAndre Elliott coming back off Sean an ACL Shane. tear. Mike uh, Tyson, well, he's a free agent as well. Right. Mike Tyson, who you drafted a year ago, who's in the, in the mix too, and then whatever you would draft. They've got what I'm saying is they've got bodies and guys that they can throw at the problem there. They don't at defensive end, not at this point. The we're, deal, we're, the, but the problem in this position, we're talking about a Hall of Fame cornerback. Yes. The best in his generation who took away third of the field and let the other 10 players cover just two-thirds of the field. It happened week after week. Aaron Rodgers would not throw to Richard Sermon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Period. And now we're talking about, well, they have the bodies to put in. And Curtis is right. But they don't need bodies. They're, they're going from a Hall of Fame player to whoever. They need a player. Yeah. <laughs> that is crazy we're of, that we're talking about that. That is what the issue is. Tony is a yes. One word answer. If you're John Schneider, are you cutting Richard Sherman today? Curtis. Um, I'd say no, but that's me. No. Greg. Hall of Fame no, corner. No. Play till the they wheels gotta, fall they off. Got, they got to yes. go sometime. Yeah, okay. that's true, too. All right. 12th Man Roundtable. Thanks a lot, guys. Really appreciate it. We're going to get the national perspective. Jason Lockenfora from CBS. He's coming up next on Sports Radio 950 KJR. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.